Yes. Welcome to episode two of Ripe and Ruin. I am your host, Megan Ely Benno, and today's episode is going to be a real treat. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's going to be a real treat. As you see in the title, today's episode is going to be all about Southside Demons. It's going to be a bit of a spooky episode today. And you may be asking yourself, Megan, you know, your podcast is about ripe and ruin, the highs and lows of life. How does that in any way relate to the paranormal or relate to true crime? How? How? Please explain to me. And here's how. The high or the ripe of today's episode is how we collectively enjoy being scared. We go to haunted houses every year, we celebrate Halloween, we partake in horror films, we have our favorites, we all have this human desire to be scared in a safe way. As long as we know that we're in safety, we enjoy being scared. We enjoy scary stories. We always have. It's been a human experience for centuries. Now, that is the ripe side of today's episode. The ruin is, of course, murder. We cannot control how we exit this life. And unfortunately, there are some of us who make it into, I'm not going to even go and say us, I'm not going to put that out in the universe, but there are some humans who make their way into the afterlife in a very violent and um, menacing manner. And that is what we'll be discussing today. Because I told you last episode, if you do recall, that I wanted to create an entire episode surrounding just the goings-on of things that I've seen on the South Side, things that I've heard about on the South Side, specifically things that have happened to and around my building that I reside in. But that kind of snowballed. I was very interested to see if my building was the only strange building on the South Side And that is not the case. And that's what we're going to talk to today, or talk about today. And so, to set the expectations of today's episode, we're going to talk about the scary Southside stories, urban legends, and finally, last but not least, everything that I've seen happening in my building on the Southside here in Chicago. I've only lived here for two years. And so the fact that I can create an entire episode surrounding what I have seen so far is saying something, (laughs) okay? Some would maybe um, perhaps argue that I might live in a portal to hell. We never know. We will not know. um, And I don't plan on sticking around long enough to find out. But we're going to dive in. And this is going to be the spooky episode of Ripened Ruin. I was going to save this for Halloween, but I couldn't wait that long. It was just too juicy. As I was doing the prep for this episode and creating the outline, I discovered that Chicago (laughs) is the devil's playground. I had no idea how many 
scary movies were based out of Chicago or based off of a story um, of something that happened in Chicago, Um, just to name a few, Candyman, Rosemary's Baby, and I wouldn't be surprised if American Horror Story Hotel is loosely based off of the H.H. Holmes Murder Castle, which I'll also be discussing in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. For my true crime junkies out there, for my murderinos that listen to my favorite murder, um, you've probably already heard about H.H. Holmes. This is the first story of this episode because... Unbeknownst to me, the H.H. Holmes Murder Castle is now the Inglewood Post Office Branch. The Inglewood Post Office Branch is a five-minute drive from my building. In other words, I am five minutes away from the H.H. Holmes Murder Castle. Now, for those of you who don't know about the H.H. Holmes murder castle, H.H. Holmes was one of the most infamous serial killers of all time in America, and it is said that he allegedly killed as many as 200 people by luring visitors to his lair during the Chicago World's Fair. Now, the only deaths that have been verified in reality um, are only about nine and it's also believed that these are people he already knew there was no luring per se that took place Um, and the it's instead of a castle or a hotel that was previously uh, believed to be the H.H. Holmes Myrtle Myrtle Castle it was a first floor it's how my building was set up how many buildings are set up in the south side there's the first floor that was is storefronts and then the second floor that are apartments um, for long-term rental uh, that people live in so on top it's the actual apartments and at the bottom are storefronts okay that being said the story goes that his home was outfitted with trap doors gas chambers a basement crematorium and the basement itself I believe is still the basement of the post office I'm I'm almost positive that they did not do I'm sure they changed the basement I'm sure they didn't leave it as a crematorium but um, they of course got rid of what used to be there and it's now a post office but apparently the allegedly the basement is still the exact same basement from H.H. Holmes murder castle and that is a five minute drive away from my home but that is going to make a lot of sense when I tell you the happenings of my building but I still wanted to dive into some urban legends of not just the south side but areas of Chicago that are relatively close to me that I had no idea existed or I did know existed because I myself am a murderino or am a true crime junkie 
And so, or, you know, a, a scary movie or scary story junkie as well. And I've heard of these things in passing, but had no idea that they were connected to Chicago in any way. So we're going to now move on to the story of G the Jane Addams Hull House. This is a 25 minute drive from me. Okay. This is, this house is what is said to have inspired Rosemary's Baby. If you're not familiar with the movie Rosemary's Baby, it is essentially telling the story about a woman who gives birth to the child of Satan. Okay. And that whole premise is said to have been inspired by this story from this house. Now, the legend has it. This is technically still considered an urban legend, but many people who have visited this house that is now a museum have said that they have seen the face of the devil, of Lucifer himself in this house. Will I visit this house? <laughs> My mother didn't raise a fool. I will never step foot in this house. I don't care if it has been chalked up to merely an urban legend. If I hear that you're going to see the face of the devil if you walk into a particular place, I am going to stay away from this place. My fascination with scary stories, my fascination with true crime only goes so far. Okay? I like to play it safe. I like to be scared from a safe distance. Will I drive by this place? That's as far as it will probably go. Okay, but we're going to get into it. Jane Adams was the owner of this house, and it is said that the mother of this child dropped off this child to this house, abandoned the baby, basically, and Jane Adams took the child in, cared for the child as her own, and raised this child in the attic of this house. And I don't know where the legend came from that this child was the child of Satan. However, people now say to this day that if you visit this house, or if you go to this museum, you, it is a possibility that you will see the face of the devil in true form. That is a 25 minute drive away from me. Now, the next story is one of my family members' favorites, Candyman. Now, me... <laughs> I had no idea. I've watched Candyman a few times in my life. It's not something with the bees. I can't do it. I can't watch Candyman every Halloween season. It's one of those movies that just where you see one disturbing scene that just doesn't sit right with you. And so it's not going to be a movie that you revisit. Hereditary is one of those movies for me, and Candyman happens to be one of those movies for me. That I am not, that's not one of my go-to movies for the Halloween season, okay? Candyman was filmed and based in Chicago at a complex called Cabrini Green. 
Now, the urban legend actually does exist that inspired the movie, that a woman was murdered through a man coming through, or by a man who came through her mirror. That urban legend does exist. That was then turned into the movie. Cabrini Green no longer exists. It was demolished. But the movie itself did take place there when it was still standing. This is a 23-minute drive away from where I live. Okay? So you're starting to get the picture. You're starting to get the picture of Chicago. The happenings of Chicago. Why it is one of the most haunted places in America. I would argue that it is the most haunted place in America because these these stories just scratch the surface of what I found when I simply googled Chicago urban legends or Chicago scary stories. When I tell you there are web pages upon web pages upon web pages of the goings on, the paranormal happenings in Chicago. I'm not exaggerating. When I tell you there have been books that have been written about these things, I'm not exaggerating. In Lincoln Park alone, there is a bridge called Suicide Bridge. (laughs) I will let you use context clues as to why it is called Suicide Bridge. Lincoln Park alone is one of the most horror-stricken haunted areas in Chicago. And I did not know that prior. I enjoy Lincoln Park. I I particularly like the zoo. I particularly like the beach. I like the area. I like Lincoln Park as an area. Would I be frequenting frequent or Lincoln Park as much as I have in the past if I had read these stories prior? No, absolutely not. I would have been staying far away and I have to be honest with you folks. That may just be my plan of action going forward. I may just have to avoid Lincoln Park after what I have read about the area. So all of those stories give you a foundation of what Chicago offers. Okay, if you're if you're a horror fan, absolutely visit Chicago. 100%. I actually mistakenly um, have stayed in a extremely haunted hotel twice. <laughs> now, did I know it was haunted? As soon as I walked in, you just feel it. It is one of the most eerie, scary hotels that I have ever, and I have been at the Jerome Hotel in Sedona, okay? I have been in one of the most haunted hotels in the nation, okay? I, In my opinion, <laughs> the, the terror that you experience walking into the Jerome Hotel, and not Sedona, my apologies, in Jerome, Arizona, does not compare to how terrifying it is to stay at the Congress Hotel downtown. It's right across the street from Grant Park. The first time I stayed there was, I believe it was 2016, um, if I'm not mistaken, but it was Lollapalooza. 
I went to Lollapalooza. It was the most convenient hotel to stay at because it was right across the street from Lollapalooza. You literally just walk across the street and you're you're at the festival. So it was convenient. And it was relatively inexpensive as well. So it just worked out all around. Okay. The first time I stayed there, I said, man, I wouldn't be surprised if this place is haunted. One of the people that I was staying with, one of my friends that I was staying with at the time said, oh, it is haunted. And I said, oh, fantastic. Why was I not told this information months ago? Would it have changed things? Probably not. But I would have prepared. I would have brought sage. I would have done some kind of preparation for my spirit, for my soul, before I entered that place. Okay, the Congress Plaza Hotel is said to, not even said, this is not allegedly, this has happened. It has been the place of so many gruesome deaths that you can't walk a single square foot in that place without feeling it, okay? The second time I stayed in the hotel was when me and my husband were in a long-distance relationship. I was flying back and forth to Chicago, and we would just find, because um, we didn't want to just stay in a normal apartment, we wanted to make things special, you know? So we would just find the most least expensive but nice hotel. Um, it only took us one time staying there <laughs> before we crossed it off our list of never going there again. And I don't know why I suffered amnesia and decided to book that hotel for a second time after staying there during Lollapalooza, but I did. I did, and I regret it. It is one of the most sinister feeling hotels, establishments in general, that I have ever stepped foot in. And I've stepped foot in some pretty haunted places, always unbeknownst to myself. Okay? This brings us to the part of the episode where we talk about my building. Now, in just the two years that I've lived here, there have been four major accidents in front of my building. Now, my building is not hidden. <laughs> it is not in a tricky part of the road where you can take a wrong turn and smash into the building or smash into the cars. It is a normal building on the side of the road. Okay, it is a straight shot. There are no curves, there are no turns. It is a straight shot and it is an easy road, a smooth road. There is no rhyme or reason why any accidents should be happening in front of my building. I wanted to say that as a premise because what I'm about to say next is going to seem that much more strange. The first happening is when someone smacked into the side of my car. My car. Came out of nowhere. I didn't hear it. I would, This was in the beginning of the pandemic when we were in lockdown. My husband came home and said, what happened to your car? I said, what are you talking about? He said, there's a huge dent on the driver's side of your car. I didn't believe him. He sent me a picture. I was mortified, angry, all of those things when you realize someone smashed into the side of your car and you never knew it. So I just chalked that up to perhaps a drunk driver, perhaps a big truck that was trying to parallel park and 
didn't see my car somehow and and somehow used enough velocity to smash into the side of my car and and, and dent the entire driver's side door. I just chalked it up to an accident, a hit and run. No big deal, okay? Skipping ahead to just a couple months ago, just a few months ago, I wouldn't say a couple months, maybe around August, September, I was getting ready for work. I work from home, so me getting ready for work is just getting ready for the day. I was in the bathroom, okay, and suddenly there was this loud crash. The entire apartment shook aggressively to the point where I thought I was going to walk out of my bathroom and the rest of my apartment was going to be gone. I thought that something collapsed. Either the floor above us collapsed or my apartment collapsed. That's how, that is how impactful this crash was. I was thinking about my cats. If, if they somehow were affected, I was worried. And so I immediately opened the door to the restroom. My entire apartment was intact. My cats, understandably shaken, but safe. And so I then look outside and there's nothing. Not a single thing to be seen, except a crazy man, a crazed man in the middle of the street. Now my street is a busy road. That's also something that I should specify. It's one of the busiest roads on the south side. This man was in the middle of the street during rush hour, yelling all kinds of gibberish, shirt torn, blood somewhere on his forehead. I thought he was drunk, but it was (laughs) like 7 a.m. in the morning. If he was drunk, he had a serious alcohol problem. He was a a severe alcoholic if he was that drunk at 7 a.m. in the morning. Okay? Police couldn't calm him down. He eventually had to be restrained, loaded in the back of an ambulance, and taken away. I, being me, did not go downstairs until I saw the barbers downstairs talking amongst each other. I knew I then was safe to exit the premises and see what was going on. I went downstairs, went outside, and then I saw an SUV inside my building. It had crashed into the church that is underneath my kitchen. So the way my my building is set up, right below my my bathroom and living room is the barbershop. Right next to that, under what is my kitchen, is a church. The car was crashed into the church. And when I mean crash, my building is made of brick and steel. (laughs) Okay? The velocity, the speed that you would have to go in order to crash into my building. And not only that, the expert marksmanship you would have to have with your car to turn at that speed and crash into my building in order to make enough damage to go into the building itself is extraordinary. And to not have 
hit any major beams of the building is even more extraordinary. The barbershop that is has an adjoining wall wasn't touched. Zero damage. Nothing about my kitchen was in danger. It was structurally sound. The only place in this entire building that was affected was the church. Okay? They pulled the car out. My building, sh my my apartment shook a bit more because this car was right under my kitchen. And so as they came in and assessed the situation, there were live wires everywhere. You know, it was a very dangerous situation. But they determined no structural beams were damaged. If they pulled the car out, the building wouldn't collapse. We're good to go. They pulled the car out. They took it away. If you live in Chicago, you know that they take care of business rather quick, okay? Almost as soon as they pu pull the car out, the boarding company came up and boarded the place up. Fixed it up all nice so that it wasn't such an eyesore from the, from the side of the road, okay? And so I said, <laughs> crazy incident, insane incident, but has to be one in a million, right? Never gonna happen again, something like that. In my lifetime, I'm never gonna see anything like that happen again. One week to the day, I'm chilling in my living room. This time it's at night, okay? I'm watching my K-dramas or perhaps even my Hallmark movie channel movies. Just enjoying my time with my cats. Another crash. This time it felt even stronger than the first. And I said, no way. Absolutely not. There is no way this is happening again. My property manager lives in the apartment right next to me. Me and her are cool. We talk about goings on all the time. We're little gossip gals, okay? I texted her immediately. I said, did you feel that? She said, absolutely, I'm on my way down. I said, I'm going with you. We left the building and we went downstairs. A second SUV crashed into the exact same place. But this time, it was even more terrifying. And I will tell you why. The person exited the SUV. Walked out from the trunk. Okay, it was a hatchback. So it walked out of the back of the car. The, he walked out of the back of the car. Did not look at a single one of us. Looked straight ahead as if he were in a trance. And he calmly and slowly walked away. We were yelling at him, are you all right? What's going on? You know, do you need us to call some? He calmly walked away and disappeared into the night. We looked at him. We looked at the car. We looked back. He was gone. Okay. This is when I thought, okay, this is the second time it has happened to the church, specifically. And it makes no sense why someone would crash their car and leave it, just abandon it, just, just leave it there. Even if you were looking for insurance, even if you, you were behind on your payments, you wanted to abandon your car. You would get in a little fender bender. 
You wouldn't crash into a building and walk away scot-free, just, just without a scratch, in a trance. That doesn't happen. And that was the first day I had the theory that my building is a portal into hell. And it was only confirmed on New Year's Day. And I am not making this up, ladies and gentlemen. I was doing the countdown. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, at one. My building shook again. This time it was minor. It wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking. It wasn't it didn't feel like a seismic earthquake. But I couldn't believe it. I immediately looked out the my window, okay? This time the car didn't crash into the building. But a car did crash into an SUV that was right in front of my building. There were no cars on the road. The road was completely clear during countdown. There is no rhyme or reason why this person should have ever crashed. Even if you were drunk, God forbid, even if the person was drunk, it was a straight shot. It would have been very difficult to crash into one of the cars that were outside of my building. This man got something out of the glove box got out of his car and just as the person before calmly walked away and abandoned the car completely. I could not believe my eyes. I immediately texted my property manager again and said, you'll never believe this. Sent her a picture immediately. She called the police. The police came. They saw, it, it was nothing. It was that the police came, they couldn't figure it out. So they just did a little police report and they left. There was no, the, the tow truck came, took the car away. But in every instance, other than the first one where the man was all over the road, in the other two instances, it was always a man. They always exited the car calmly and just walked away in the same direction ladies and gentlemen on the same sidewalk and disappeared into the night she was looking for this man the police were looking for this man they saw no one and that ladies and gentlemen is the ruin of my peace what was once ripe once what what was once rich living in my area was ruined by the realization that I may be in fact living in a very the very portal of hell okay but I highly recommend you google Chicago urban legends Chicago scary stories and maybe one day you would want to visit Chicago and experience these these 
feelings for yourself in a safe manner. But this episode was fun. I very much enjoyed it. My name is Megan Elibeno. You have a great day.